Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I'm very excited to introduce somebody from across the country. This is Patrick Bryant. He is the co-founder and CEO of Code and Trust out of Charleston, South Carolina. So Patrick, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. What would you like the audience to know about Code and Trust? Thanks so much for having me, Sean. Uh, so Code and Trust, that's what we sell. That's what we, we say is that we're selling code, but we're also selling trust. Our development firm is designed for entrepreneurs that are, and corporations, business owners that are working on early stage new pieces of software. So we've got a number of companies, startups that we are basically their CTO. We are their entire development tech team developing out that piece of software. And then we've got some clients that maybe it is a software product and they've got their own dev shop uh, or excuse me, dev team. And they just need some people to weigh in on the uh, business model or the branding or uh, the code and all those things we, we provide to clients. Oh, very good. So do you work mainly then with, uh, the, you kind of mentioned entrepreneurs, newer companies then, or it sounds like it could be corporations, but a lot of times with these newer folks that maybe need that, that technology team then, is that what it sounds like? That's exactly right. It, it is almost exclusively early stage startup software. Now, sometimes that software is inside of a uh, big corporation because the big corporation, right, right is spinning out uh, a new piece of software or needs a new piece of software for its employees. But the majority of our clients are entrepreneurs and uh, startups that are working on new software at that moment. That is really good information. Thank you for sharing that. All right, well, let's get started with the questions that we have outlined for today. Question number one, Patrick, if you would share a, an experience or a time when you had a conflict with a coworker or a team member or a, an employee, whatever it may be, and how you resolved it. My darkest, most painful moment for uh, in business was I had a business partner that had really helped me grow the business. He owned part of the business and I really just trusted him in a big, big way. And in the end, he ended up leaving the company, taking our number one client with him, which was against the non-solicitation agreement with the client. It was against the employment agreement that he had. And it was, Sean, just crazy painful. This was a friend of mine, someone that I had worked with a lot. And it, it really, really hurt in in a big way. Having said that, my advice to anybody that is mapping out relationships <clears throat> with, of course, employees through employee policies, but, but definitely relationships, including uh, your business partners, is to really have a framework of understanding of what is right and wrong. <clears throat> and even in that moment, I remember saying, wait, this is totally wrong. Like we, and I'm, I can read to you in our policy, in our agreement, why this is wrong. And his response was, I understand that, but I'm still going to do it. And that's what made it so painful. On the other hand, 
what really got me through the moment, even though emotionally it was really, really hard, was that we did have this framework of, well, if you do that, then this will happen, right? And so we actually ended up negotiating out over the next, gosh, maybe 48 hours, uh, the, the exact points from that agreement that, you know, this is what, what would happen. You are going to lose your employment. That means you're going to sell your stock. We're going to value the company. That's how we buy. And because we had those rules in place, that made it go smoother. So it made a bad situation, not quite so bad. So my advice to anyone that's listening is if you're uh, doing something with employees or business partners, take the time to map out what the bad thing would look like if it does, so that if something does come up, and hopefully it won't be that bad of a situation, but in any instance, you can say, hey, you know, you're taking more time off than I thought that you should. And the employee goes, well, I, I don't know what my rules are, right? So uh, I think the more you can lay out a basic framework and rules, the, the easier those situations become. That's really great advice. And I'm really impressed that you guys were able to knock that out in 48 hours. That is that's unheard of. And not well, to get too- Well, sad, sadly for him, it was laid out in a way that I ended up purchasing his share of the company. And, and while he might've won at that moment, I can say uh, after many years of putting that behind me that, that in the end, I, I came out pretty good. You did all right. Yeah, that's a, that makes a big difference. But you you've said that you said the way that you described that I'm going to broaden it just a little bit and, and just talk about setting expectations properly. And that's what a good agreement or contract will do. And if we don't have something like that in place, because it's maybe it's a little more intimate, maybe it's just a simple, um, you're just an employee, part of a temp, temp, part of a member of a team or something like that. Just setting those expectations is so critical. So I'm really glad you brought that up. That is a great point. When and Sean, I'm, gonna, I, I'm just going to echo what you just said to say, you know, I don't even necessarily know that it always needs to be an agreement, right? Like it can be as something as a piece of crayon paper that the two of you just jot down. Hey, sure. this, this seems reasonable and fair, and this doesn't seem reasonable and fair, right? And if the two of you can just agree to that, then later when there's a dialogue, at least you have a framework that, that you mapped out. I'm not saying you're taking it to court, right? Not everything right. is going to go to court, but you can at least call people on being reasonable. Right. No, great comments. I really like your approach to that. And that does really help a lot when you have that framework, as you put it, to help us kind of guide us through a, a conflict or a disagreement. So great comments. All right. Question number two. I'm, heard, I'm sure that you've heard the phrase, people don't leave jobs, they leave managers. What's one strategy or idea that you could share with leaders to help them retain their talent a little bit longer than they might otherwise? We did a ton of work on this. In, in, I, I had a, a startup before Code and Trust. It's now 25 years old. We've got 16 offices around the United States. It's in the broadcast television space. It's a fantastic company. And we've got over 50 employees in that company. GoTo Team is the name of the company. And uh, we have done a ton of work around this topic uh, uh, because what we were finding is that we were hiring talent and we were keeping them on average three years, but we were really making the most amount of profit 
when an employee was with us five to seven years. So we were really showing that, man, if we could just figure out how to keep these people around a couple of more years, what, what are we doing? What can we be doing to provide them that, that piece? The number one thing that we found was that, at least in our space, employees want to feel like they're moving forward. They want a path that where we were, we were ramping them from early training career that took about a year to then two years of sort of steady work. And by year three, it was sort of, hey, you're just going to keep doing more of the same and getting a, a you know, 3%, 5% increase. And that's where we'd start to lose them. And what we really mapped out was let's have a framework in place that one year feels different than two to three, then feels different than four to five and then six to seven, because we need to, to create an opportunity that our employees are always moving forward in their career. And we started baking out these specific things that we would put down on the piece of paper, uh, new title, uh, uh, specific benefits, increase in pay, more autonomy around the way that they handled their clients. Um, and we would, as they would move into each of those titles, they would get into this new place of, oh, well, this is cool. I now get to manage these things. Uh, and, and one, I'll just end with this, this nugget. One of those things that we figured out they wanted was at year three to four, and it wasn't defined, it wasn't by date, it was when they were ready, but it happened around three to four years, we would give them an apprentice that they were now teaching someone that was starting. And that mentorship program excited them at that three to four year area that that got us to them staying six to seven years. And sometimes they would be taking on multiple apprentices during that time frame. And, and having the ability to train other people really helped them feel like they were moving their career forward, which of course they were. Uh, mm -hmm. They got compensated extra for, for training people. That is an outstanding answer for a lot of different reasons. So I'm going to go very quickly because I, I love this answer. First of all, I'm impressed that you had some data that you were relying on that said, hey, you know, three to four years. I mean, yeah, we got some, we got some work out of them, but the best stuff's still ahead. It's in that five to seven range. What can we do to, to close that gap to keep them around for that five to seven range? I love that you created an entire program that wasn't necessarily, you obviously included some compensation, but it wasn't necessarily based on that. And you took the time to say, what are some other things that motivate people? What are some other things that will help them stay around a little bit longer and creating that entire plan? I love that. What a great approach and to give them an opportunity then to turn around and mentor someone else. I, I think that's a fantastic answer. That's one of the best ones I've heard in a very long time. So great strategy, loved everything about it. So kudos to you, hats off, well done. Thank you, thank you. All right, Patrick, question number three, what are some ideas that you would share on how to build resilience within a team? I, I encode and trust we have projects coming at us every day and they are always unique and different and new software ideas and new things people have to go learn and they have to move fluidly in between different projects that can really wear them down. And what we have found is that 
a terrific tool is around curriculum and helping give them more education that they can think like an entrepreneur, think like someone that their clients are so that they can really relate with them and be able to understand why they're making the decisions that they're making. I think, I think training to understand your client really allows the employee to understand what's happening. Uh, one of the things I, I'll just quick nugget there, you know, sometimes employees get upset because they'll say, gosh, they've asked me to change this four times. And I'll be like, well, I mean, that's okay, right? They're, they're paying us each time we change, right? And yes, yes, but I, it's still frustrating. And I say, well, think about it from their perspective. They're doing a startup. They don't know the answer yet. And if they did know the answer, then you, you wouldn't be needed, <laughs> right? Yeah. So what, what can, can we help the employee put themselves in the, in the place that's causing them frustration. And that to me really, really builds that, that resilience to sticking with stuff. That is a great example of that resilience and empathy and everything that needs to be part of the leadership and the company culture, in my view, is looking at things from the customer's perspective. I love that answer. Great answer. All right. Well, question number four, is there someone that you would like to recognize that's had an influence or made an impact in your life? Well, I could list a very, very long list. I have had so many mentors and people that have moved me forward. If it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be anywhere close to where I am. Uh, having said that, I, I will pick one, uh, and I, I don't do it to be trite, but it is a, a super defining but interesting moment in my life, which is when I was 17 years old, I remember my dad walking in my room uh, to, to sit down and talk to me. Two years earlier, we had started a business, a family business uh, in the newspaper industry. He was an expert in newspapers. And I had loved the idea of, man, we're doing a startup and this is exciting. I put $2,500 of my own money into that business. I learned the Macintosh computers, which were brand new at the time. Uh, setting up the network and ultimately becoming a graphic designer. I was thrilled by this business. And my dad comes in my room to tell me that they are closing it, that the finances haven't worked. We are filing bankruptcy. And ultimately, my uh, family would lose our home. My parents would get divorced. And I would have the deepest, darkest pain that I had ever had my entire life. It was so hard Sean, to go through that time in my life. Having said that, my takeaway wasn't, wow, my dad was dumb. He started a business. That was awful. It imploded my entire life. But instead, my takeaway was, that was exciting. I want to get really good at that entrepreneurship thing. I want to do this for myself. And I'm not waiting till I'm 50 years old like my father. Uh, I am going to do it today and tomorrow, and I'm going to fail until I get really, really good at this thing. And so I, my, to speak very positively about the influence my father had on my life, he was a master salesman, a master communicator, and I loved every, and to, obviously he's still alive. I love everything about my dad, and I don't judge for a minute that failure 
if anything, that failure built me into who I am today, and I'm thankful for it. Well, thank you for recognizing your dad, and thank you for being open enough to share that story, because that's kind of a heart-wrenching story to have so much happen, and I really appreciate you recognizing also that the failure really wasn't. It, there's some takeaways from that. I, I'm one that, and this isn't a hardcore saying of mine or anything like that, but failure is only temporary unless you decide you want it to be permanent, and it's just, it, it doesn't have to be this permanent failure you can learn from it. That kind of goes back to the resilience conversation, learn how to bounce back and to let that help you grow. I love that you took away some learning opportunities as a young man and said, okay, what can we do to, to avoid this in the future? And here you are. So you've obviously uh, used that to great advantage all throughout your life. So that's great. Thank you. All right. So this might be a redundant question. Then the last question that I always ask is tell us about your first job. Was this business, your, this family business, was that the first job? It was. I became a graphic designer inside of that business. I'll pivot to the, the second part of the story, which is after that bankruptcy, I literally took everything from the failed business. Uh, as I said, I had uh, donated or invested uh, and then lost $2,500. But I took away the used minivan. I was driving it around town. I took away one of the Macintosh computers and I started my own business doing graphic design. Back then we call it desktop publishing. And I was doing uh, menus and logos, all kinds of things for print shops and, and other businesses in town, helping them with their needs. And I really taught myself there at 17 how to have my own first business, which ultimately, of course, was just a job for myself. Uh, and I learned so many things later about scale and borrowing money and innovation and all these other exciting uh, things about entrepreneurship. But really, you're absolutely right. My first business was in, in my dad's failed newspaper. And then my second job uh, was, was this uh, graphic design firm doing work for other people. Wow. I, I love how you continued the story and said, okay, this is what I did right after that, that big setback. And, uh, you know, 2,500 bucks, that's a lot of money now for a, for a teenager. I can't even imagine back whenever it was, it was, you know, a little while ago, obviously, if you're talking about Macintosh is just coming out, then we're probably talking late eighties there. So that's right. Yeah. Yeah. 90, 90, uh, 80, 89 is when I was seven. Well, there you go. Wow, what a great story. And thank you so much for sharing that one, being willing to share and be open, as well as sharing the other ideas and insights that you've learned from leadership and helping all of our leadership students out there. All of us are students of leadership. But thank you so much, Patrick, for being on the show today. How can people find you? Codeandtrust.com is our website. They can certainly go there and communicate with me. I'm also on LinkedIn. Patrick Bryan in Charleston, and obviously CEO of Code and Trust. So they can certainly find me in those platforms as well. And I, I'll end with this. I just love when people reach out to me and talk about business ideas and things entrepreneurially that they're working on. It's, I'm so passionate about entrepreneurship. And if anybody wants to reach out and have a, a dialogue or conversation about something they're working on, I'd love to hear from them. Oh, that's fantastic. Thank you so much. It's been a real pleasure to have you on the show today. So thank you for taking time to be with us. Thank this you, is Sean. this is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights 
For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. And we also invite you to subscribe or follow, whether it's the audio version or the video version. We'd love to have as many people listen as possible and learn together. Thanks so much for joining us and have a great day.